Don't worry, producer Brooks is in his bed. This is Corey, and this is the Yo the Anthe podcast. If only producer Roberto was also in his bed, we might have a good show today. Thank you all for joining us for episode 363 of the Yo the Anthem podcast, coming to you from the hashtag OTA LA Studios, high above the 110 freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for listening on your podcatcher of choice, the easiest way, anchor.fm forward slash O the Anthem. And I joke, of course, because uh, as you know, Corey, producer Roberto spends enough time in bed already <laughs> with the morning uh, naps, the afternoon siestas, and then the early bedtime. Uh, I think only my dad may sleep more than uh, him. <laughs> and with the 50, 60 years of age separating them, uh, it makes sense that, yeah. uh, that he would sleep a, a little bit more than Roberto. So, um, but... You know, what would be an actor's life in L.A. during a pandemic if it weren't just getting to snooze? It's, it's like I tell Rachel all the time. Artist hours. Yeah. You don't need to. I don't need to clock in by eight or leave by five. It's when it whenever it happens. It's like. Uh, well, I mean, artist hours typically mean, though, that you're, you know, up and working at two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning, not also sleeping at one o'clock in the morning. Well, and- listen, fucking Mario Kart takes precedence <laughs> here. I don't know if you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean. What part of artist hours is buying a five hundred dollar camera when you have no income? Is that like a is that a thing that people do? Um, part of artist hours is watching your video late last night. Do you wanna- <laughs> that's also true. Yes, <laughs> while I was sleeping. Which, by the way, video now available. I know it's been like two weeks that we've been talking about it, and I was getting a little bit in that what I like to call the the baker mentality of mm. talking about things I was doing without actually doing them. Right. So uh, I went ahead and finished it. And I edited it. It was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, by the way, uh, pre-editing time, 67 minutes. So I think I got it down to a clean 40. Uh, it was definitely the Snyder Cut version of that argument. That's <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. Well, and as my argument was, it's it's four videos in one. It's four 10-minute videos. Yeah. I talk about masks. I talk about uh, people who and how they're acting like it's post-COVID, even though it's not post-COVID. Yeah, then we'll I talk get into about, that more. Yeah, and, and I talk about vaccines and why you can trust them. And then I talk about basic virology and why all the people I mentioned in section two are dumb. Uh, and that last one is the one that's probably really going to get me into trouble. Uh, although it is making the crazies come out of the woodwork. So thank <laughs> well, you guys. There's always that. <laughs> so uh, it's available in three different formats. Uh, my story will have short, funny moments. Yeah, little clips. My, my IGTV has the edited version, the fully edited version where it's cut way down. And then on YouTube, you can find the full 40-minute version. Um, I'm going to wait two years. I'm going to take all the notes. Uh, I'm going to let everyone react to this. And right. then I'm going to release the 170-minute um, uh, director's cut in two years. Uh, and wait and see how everybody feels about it then. So. But you're going to make sure that you cut everything to make it look like it makes sense in a 2025 context as opposed to the 20. Well, I mean, if we keep going as we are, we're going to still be talking about COVID in 2025. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, uh, I'll bring in the new science. We'll do some reshoots. Yeah. Uh, I'll find the the younger, better looking version of me and just pretend it was me the entire time. De age yeah. it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it'll be yeah, it'll yeah. perfectly fine. <laughs> Get rid of your mustache. <laughs> or I think it will have to be the opposite because at that point, I'll probably have to find a grown up job and then I'll be like, Clean cut again, yeah. and uh, I'll have to digitally put in pixel by pixel the mustache. Uh, so that would be super fun. Reduplicate the facial hair of a younger man. <laughs> yes. Oh, or yeah, just dye it, dye it from the gray yeah. that it becomes in two years to uh, back or, to mixed. Or you could just be blessed, like my grandmother was, who up until the day she died had this jet black hair, and I never understood how it never grayed once. I was <laughs> really jealous of her mustache. I really wish I could. <laughs> How, I'm how dare you? That's my grandmother. 
Okay. My Irish one. You want to fight about it? <laughs> Wait, is that Moo? Yeah. I love Moo. <laughs> Never br- say anything bad about Moo. She's brassy. <laughs> That's why she's my favorite. <laughs> it's the grandmother you always want, which is like not your grandma, because it can be kind of embarrassing if it's your grandma, but like the brassy grandma who's like, I don't give a fuck. I say what I want. <laughs> She's she's like street tough Elizabeth Warren. That is exactly <laughs> what it is. Uh, not fake. Yeah. Street tough. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Throw a brick at a kid, Elizabeth Warren. Yes. Uh, yeah. More Irish, less Cherokee. That's the, uh, <laughs> the equation. Uh, but from very uh, jokey topics to very somber topics, because at the top, of course, we have to talk about the Atlanta shootings, which happened in the last week. Yes. And. I mean, I'm going to call it the way that no news media, no police, no anyone except for apparently leftist Twitter and Tumblr will call it. And that is, this is an act of white terrorism, white nationalist terrorism on a different race group. Uh, You can frame it any way that you want, but there are eight victims, six of which are Asian Americans, two of which I believe were also people of color, just not Asian Americans. So uh, we can't say it's racial. Because, uh, as you know, in America, unless the gunman is shouting racial epithets while uh, shooting, and then he also has a manifesto that he put up right before he left, and also has a YouTube channel full of videos with racial epithets, uh, we can't say it's a uh, race-based crime. And then, even at that point, we need to reserve judgment. Uh, And keep in mind, Corey. Because, I mean, he had a bad day. Yeah. We don't know. I hear the Daniel powder and everything. Uh, it, uh, listen, uh, we all have rough days. Yeah. You never know how you're going to react. I I mean, just today, I couldn't get any work done. I just felt like a big loser. I, I, I just wasted away a day. Uh, it was a bad day. I mean, I didn't kill eight people, but <laughs> I mean, like, apparently that's a new bar on what we're talking about as far as a bad day is concerned. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, lucky you didn't have uh, you. You missed out on. Uh, Maybe you didn't miss out. You know you don't have the police there to back you. I'm not sure that LAPD is so uh, pull you over, put you in a bulletproof vest, take you to McDonald's on the way down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, don't seem like that kind of police force. You need the you need the good old boy network of the Georgia police force. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although I will say uh, not from Georgia, obviously, but saw a lot of familiarity in the sheriff of Cherokee County, as I did the sheriff of many of the counties from where I'm from, because. yeah, uh, I could just see the, he had a bad day, and, uh, you know, but yeah. we're going to reserve judgment until we know. Because, again, uh, we reserve judgment. Uh, I, I, I always refer to the uh, the family guy. Where you hold up the pallet next to the person. Yeah. It's like, is this a, an insane problem with society, or is this a, a lone wolf who yeah. has uh, has done something It's amazing how many lone wolves we have, too. Very much, yeah. very much. Uh, also... We would be remiss, and I want to make sure that we touch on it, because sometimes we get going and we forget. Bought the gun the day of the assault. Yeah. Bought 250 rounds of ammunition the day of the assault. Yeah. Smart enough to not buy them from the same person. Because I have to say, if I'm a gun dealer and a guy's like, I'd like to get a gun. Sure. I want to take it home today. We can do that. Absolutely. Welcome to Georgia. Uh, I'd also like 250 rounds of ammunition. I got another form I got to fill out here. (laughs) Listen, brother. Uh... I'm not going to ask questions. I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. Uh, my uncle owns a store two doors down. Yeah. You just go down there and buy your ammunition because there's a whole lot of paperwork I got to fill out for all that to happen in one day. Uh, also, I, j- I, I, 
I want to say that they're responsible. And a, a gun shop owner would be like, uh, hold on there, Perner. Uh, <laughs> we got a gun range. You can rent it by the clip. Would you like a, a clip? See, but I think some businesses, and I would put like a gun store in this same sort of topic, knows the exact legality they have to stay within to be able to operate with impunity. Uh, yeah. Back in the days of dispensaries prior to uh, legalized marijuana, you know, you weren't going into buy marijuana you were going to give a donation for which there would be yeah. a gift uh you're, you're you know like if you went in and you said i want to purchase marijuana they'd be like oh, you mean you want to donate to the dispensary you'd like to, to in uh, exchange for a certain level of gift much like uh if you've ever you want to buy a sticker you mean a sticker yeah. or you know like the the famous one is the strip club yeah. where it's just like uh <laughs> the drink system used to be alive and well in the strip club where it's like there's a drink for sitting at the bar with the lady and just talking there's another drink if you want to go to the back and have a have a lap dance. Yeah. And then there's another drink for the private room. Now you're wait, purchasing wait. the drink, which is more expensive as you go up the, the course, ladder. Yeah. But they know how to word it in such a way that you didn't buy a lap dance. You bought a drink. And that just happened to lead to a lap dance. Listen, <laughs> we're all within the legal limits. here. <laughs> we go in the back. Things happen. I am a patron of this bar just like you. Uh, I just get a kickback for getting customers my money. I, I mean, you know, how am I supposed to stop people who work at this place from giving out lap dances when they feel like it? I <laughs> Uh, there's a podcast uh, <laughs> uh, about the Gold Club in Atlanta yeah. where the guy said that you could probably ring thousands of dollars worth of champagne out of the carpet on any Sunday morning. And I'm like, that's just what I meant. Because oh, oh, because they would order the most expensive bottle of champagne. Yeah. And then the strippers would make you laugh and pour it out because they don't want to get drunk because it gets in their head. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The whole point is to make you spend Oh, the, the $60 drink you spent for a lap dance is just like grape juice. and. Oh. <laughs> uh, Old strip club, uh, listen, uh, without saying too much, you spend a bit of time in strip clubs. Mm -hmm. um, the trick is that they take a saucer, and there's saucers in the underneath the bar with different liquors in them. And let's say you order a whiskey drink yeah. for the lady. They take the cup, and they put it in that saucer. Like you're uh, salting a margarita glass. Almost yeah. like you're salting it. And they just twist it around a little bit and get a little bit on the rim. And then they make a drink that has no liquor in it. But if you were to lean over and sniff the drink, you're smelling the liquor on the rim. Yeah. Smells like alcohol. You feel like you've paid for a drink. Yeah. And the uh, person who works there does not get any, uh, doesn't feel the effects unless they, I also knew that you could also give them the, uh, which was like, this will be one. I'm, I'm good with one drink. See, at the end of the day, though, I, I feel like uh, the strip club in a way is a victimless crime. Uh, there, yeah, there was a story in the Baltimore Sun when they reopened the strip clubs and they interviewed a man there, but he didn't want to give his identity <laughs> because he told his wife that he was at Sam's Club. So uh, kind of a victimless crime. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not great for the wife, and I guess. But I was going to say, at the, very, at the very least, you didn't kill eight people. Yeah, that, that's the <laughs> that's the bottom line. And your your cheeky shenanigans to get around. Uh, what is and isn't prostitution in the state of Maryland or wherever you might be is a means to an end. Hey, but listen. if you're at a gun shop and then you have to go to a separate gun shop and buy the bullets for all the guns you bought at the first gun shop. Now it's at no point did anyone say that's an awful lot of ammunition or anything like that. No one describes because that as nobody... a cheeky, uh, a cheeky move to get <laughs> yeah, around something. It's not, sh it's not shenanigans that are happening here. It's, it's, you know, multiple murders. Uh, also to that guy uh, at the strip club, like, 
divorce your wife, man. <laughs> like, uh, these are the reasons I will never get married, uh, amongst many of them. But this also kind either, of comes, either tell her. <laughs> yeah, uh, this comes into play because uh, the excuse given by the young man uh, is that he had a sex addiction mm. and that these places were legal places where he would feed his sex addiction. Uh, although we're not sure he's been to those exact mas- massage parlors or not. Um, I mean, there's still a lot about the story that we don't know. So, 100%. I mean, like it, it's, I feel bad talking about it in the sense of the, uh, the, we're already prejudging him for. Fuck hate him. Crime. No, Fuck uh, uh, him. Hold up, uh, we're already, we're already hitting him with the hate crime thing, not knowing the entire scope of the crime. But I will say that as far as hate crimes go or potential hate crimes go, uh, this one's pretty flagrant. This is the I was we were talking about a pre-show like George Floyd happened last year and we had the nine minutes worth of kneeling on the neck. Yeah. And, you know, to the casual observer who watched that, they said, under what circumstance? Yeah. Like this is this is so long and obscene that it seems unnecessary that it, it would happen like this. Uh, it made people really think to. Uh, what is, you know, like uh, the unnecessary amount of police violence and nine minutes on the neck was clearly qualified, <laughs> qualified, yeah, qualified. For people. Yeah. Uh, this one in a similar vein, very much qualifies when, when you shoot largely only Asian people in your, uh, mass murdering spree, mm-hmm. it, it does a pretty good job of qualifying the, the hate crime. Here's the problem though. He's not charged with a hate crime. Not yet. And, uh, George Floyd's killers. We're not charged with hate crimes. No. Now, they would have been, but for the efforts of one man, and I will not be remiss to say that, Rand Paul is the reason that both George Floyd's killers and this young man won't be charged with a hate crime because he was the lone vote standing in the way of the Emmett Till Lynching Act of 2019 being passed. It's still not been passed. Lynching is still not illegal and under federal law, and hate crimes are generally only, except for in like California and New York, Hate crimes are only imposed by federal law because states like Georgia don't have hate crime le- uh, but, legislation. But also incredibly difficult to prosecute. I mean, yeah. amongst the most, you but can get somebody Emmett cold Till, on the murder, Emmett but Till, getting them on the hate crime escalator is going to be the Emmett Till made it much easier. That's why it was a, a groundbreaking piece of legislation because instead of saying we need to prove that at the moment he pulled the trigger, this was his intent, it was saying I don't care what his intent was. If it looks like it from the outside charge him with it and then let the judge decide based on the uh, all of the evidence how to apply so there's no mandatory minimums it just it hits the escalator much easier i just feel like to me the idea of the hate crime should be less about the act in which happened i mean like obviously the act will factor in a lot to whether or not it's a hate crime to begin with but i'm saying like if we had a situation like this where you know we have the guy kill largely asian people uh and his assault and we go back and we look at his life. And if we see that for the last 10 years, he's been doing nothing but denigrating Asians in every single public forum he can do. Yeah. That's good enough for me to say there is enough here here to at least get me in the right direction of the hate crime but that he committed later. You know, it's like not good enough for federal law. Oh, it's I know not good enough to get you on the. Escalator. I understand. I'm saying I, I think that if we're going to make a substantial change to that to that regard, if somebody committed a hate crime against a black person and then we found out later that they had been a member of the Klan for the last 15 years, then I feel like that should factor into what happened. 
it, it, in lieu of him shouting racial epitaphs as the reason why he's doing it, he, we should factor in the 15 years of clan membership yes. as a precipitous, uh, what's the, uh, like a solid uh, step in the direction of the crime or something like that? A substantial step. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, how far up the escalator do we go? Uh, well, I mean, listen, he's been radicalized in the last six months and it's tragic, but it is a hate crime. So we're going to put him on the escalator. Uh, he's been a clans member for the last 25 years. Okay, um, brother, you are taking that escalator right to the top. Yeah. Uh, you are never going to see daylight again. Good luck. Uh, but I do want to tie in kind of the two things we talked about here. The strip clubs, the reason that actually is uh, apropos of what we're talking about is I found a, a lovely map put together by someone from Atlanta, I would assume, mm-hmm. on Tumblr or Twitter or somewhere, that was how many strip clubs did he drive by yeah. in order to go to all of these massage parlors? Now, the thing about Atlanta, there's a lot of strip clubs, so you're going to probably drive past one. When you go basically anywhere across the city, but more going importantly, from church to the <laughs> church to the grocery store. Well, listen, when you tell your wife you're going to church to the grocery store anyway, <laughs> listen, I'm just going to Costco. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's also a uh, it's not it's not a universal rule, but there is also generally strip clubs that you would go to to see more white entertainers, more black entertainers, more mm. Hispanic entertainers, and it's a mark. It's pushed by the market, not necessarily pushed by. Uh, the, cli- the clientele. Yeah. Just like, hey, listen, uh, we started having a lot of black entertainers here, and we started getting more people in, so yeah. we just went that direction. Uh, okay. Um, and when a business does it, when a business like that does it, I am less inclined to look at anything other than market factors pushing in that direction. So uh, the Gold Club had a lot of white entertainers. So if you, as a strip club owner, you say, well, if you want to see uh, black entertainers, you come to my club. If you want to see white, you're already going there. So yeah. come here instead. Uh, also, if you don't want to spend $26,000 in a two-hour period, you can also come here, too. I'll take your yeah. $500. That's fine. Um, but it's important because he passed by all of those places on the way to these massage parlors. So if the sex addiction really is the motivator, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Because even more legal than the massage parlors are strip clubs. Uh, in fact... Uh, the strip clubs of Atlanta, much like the strip clubs of Baltimore, sued the city, not during COVID, but previously. Uh, Atlanta put a, an entire ban on strip clubs in the 60s or 70s. They sued, and now it is one of the only cities in the country you can have full nude and liquor in the same place Yeah, under the First Amendment. So, God bless. Um, <laughs> but the the other thing I think that, that uh, comes into play here is just <sighs> wherever he may have been radicalized, I and I am sure that he has. I, I I inevitably find that we are going to we're gonna learn some things about him. He is with the Proud Boys or he or he found literature online or he's a uh Q and Honor. Q and Honor or no the uh the always uh never get laid guys. Um Proud Boys? No, no, no. It's the like their whole thing is like we don't have sex. Like uh women should give themselves every man in the US should have a Damn it, there's somebody at home shouting at their fucking uh, computer, and I can't remember what they're called. I am so far the opposite of this that I I disconnect from it. I cannot. Uh, <laughs> I, it's, I, I got into an argument on Instagram with a guy who was just like, you don't understand. I'm 100 pounds overweight. No girl wants me. I'm never going to get laid. And I was like, bro, I am two of those three things. The third one is completely under your control. Find the thing. Be funny. 
This is not funny. I mean, be funny. Like, I, feel, I feel like the one thing that they're never mentioning when they have a problem like this is the being kind to the women that they wish to. <laughs> yes. It's more of like, a, like, yo, girl, you want to go out with me? It's like, no, no girl wants to hear that. Like, they watched the uh, they watched the pickup artist, yeah. and they were like, "Oh, this is a whole game." I can gotta nag the them, and yeah. And uh, by the way, uh, I I uh, also listened to a podcast and then read a uh, the pamphlet that was with the podcast put out like a, a twenty five page booklet. Yeah, it was just a history of, and I realized that pickup artistry picked up in two thousand and eight, which means I could have made a billion dollars by creating the pickup artistry industry mm. six years earlier because mm. it's all the shit that. Adolescent Rob was figuring out and yeah. like, okay, so if I put her down first and then give her a compliment, that's not really a compliment, but it's kind of a backhanded compliment, and then pay her no attention. She's gonna, well, not she's gonna, uh, one out of every 20 women will in <laughs> fact respond to that. I've um, increased my chances from what it was before to what right. it is now and, uh, just by being an <laughs> asshole. How I interpreted that is, you just got to get a lot of swings in, man. Like, I just go up. I just take a swing. I take a swing. You're going to strike out a lot. But eventually, you're going to get a hit. <laughs> getting getting back to the sheriff real quick. Yeah. Uh, I, I find it always interesting when you see certain descriptors go along with race in a way like this. So, like, we talked about him. The, like, he's having a bad day. He's at the end of his rope. I don't think we should treat him so harshly and stuff like that. Uh, all the facsimile of what the sheriff was saying there, yeah. you know, it, 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 it felt a lot, you know, if I had ever heard a sheriff say that about a black, a black suspect who was arrested or something like that, then I feel like it would have more merit coming in this situation. Yeah. But the problem is I've only heard it in the terms of white kids who fucked up. Yeah. Like, black, black police chief of Oakland would never say that about a black kid in Oakland. Yeah. But you hear it almost every time from white sheriff in rural wasn't, county about. Wasn't kids. the Stanford rape kid like? Wasn't he having like a bad day or like he just got too drunk or yeah? It was. Uh, don't ruin a lifetime of work. Yeah, <laughs> for uh, one mistake. Yeah, because he made one mistake. Right. It, yeah. It feels very much like when you watch the football game and it's just like the white guy is dogged and you know like a real go getter and he's a grinder and like, like all these words he's got a good head on his shoulders all these things you hear scrappy yeah. all the all the white adjectives you yeah, hear yeah, yeah. of the <laughs> the wide receiver meanwhile Tyreek Hill is never scrappy he's just Tyreek Ty Hill one of the best wide receivers in the league or up and until the moment he makes a mistake and then he's criminal Tyreek Hill who shouldn't be trusted or shouldn't be a role model or shouldn't I was gonna say you get a lot of the uh, the natural talent. Uh, it's you know it's the extra muscle in the leg that really makes him a competitor until he goes does something wrong and then it's like uh, this animal, this subhuman. Yeah. And I go oh, okay. Danny uh, Amendola just works at it harder. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I mean, if you mean he has to run further because his legs are shorter, you're absolutely right. He's a solid eight inches shorter. Speaking. But, speaking wait, 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 wait. Uh, before you go, because yeah. I want to just say. One uh, controversial thing every episode, uh, and that is I've said before uh, we do Sherman's Walk uh, March to the Sea. Only we start in Dallas and we work our way east. But it was suggested to me that that is incorrect, and I have taken a new tact. I don't think we should do Sherman's Walk to the Sea. Okay, because that would punish a lot of good people. George is blue. I don't know if you knew this, Corey. Yeah. George is blue now. There are a <laughs> lot of good people there <laughs> right now, to an extent. To an extent. Uh, and there are there. Listen, there is an entire belt through uh, Alabama and Mississippi that votes Democratic every single election in 
futility, but they still do because they've yeah. been put in districts where their vote doesn't matter. So here's what I'm changing my suggestion to. Not a Sherman's March to the Sea where we burn everything, but I would like to get together a group of patriots. Uh, I'm going to try to use language that seems to not offend uh, the folks uh, on the right. <laughs> I want to get together a group of patriots. And uh, what I would like to do is to have this group of patriots uh, work our way through the South. We'd have some kind of get up. Um, I would say maybe an outfit made of white. I feel like that's been taken. So maybe black, just black head to toe. And um, sadly, that's been taken too by the same group. Oh uh, well, you know, uh, I would say black at different block. times. Uh, black block is more a, a familiar anti-fascisti, uh, anti-fascist thing. So okay. we'll go with black block. Uh, and then what I'd like to do is to find anywhere that I see a Confederate flag up or anything that reminds me of the Confederacy, even yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I would like to build a hammer and sickle out of wood on the front lawn and burn it. <laughs> we don't really have a religion, so like the cross thing doesn't really work. But like hammer and sickle burned, and anywhere I see it, I also want to uh, spray paint on houses the North remembers, and just go through on a terroristic spree throughout the South yeah. of the North remembers. <laughs> right when you said terroristic spree is when it became a problem, <laughs> and I mean that in the way that it should be used, which is. Acts that you conduct on a civilian population, which are meant to change behavior based on fear. So I think I'm using that appropriately. Uh, and in this way, we're only doing it in the good direction, though, because then somebody be afraid to yeah, fly the Confederate flag. So. We're only violating the First Amendment rights of the people we disagree with. So therefore, well, clearly. Listen, all I'm saying is uh, you don't fly <laughs> Nazi flags in Germany for a reason. Uh, they lost and then. When people tried to, they made it illegal because they said uh, ideas like the First Amendment are great and we want to have dissent. But if you say a human being doesn't have a right to life, uh, you lose your right to say that. And I'm a supporter of that. And if it takes a campaign of terror for these people through the South, (laughs) then I am 100 percent in favor of that. So uh if you're willing to uh, to join me, uh, let us know. Corey at OtheAnthem.com. <laughs> at Robert Engine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of words that only describe certain people, uh, I'd like to use the word spry on Joe Biden, if I may. Uh, and, well, that uh, doesn't describe, describe him at all. <laughs> describe, what, uh, describe what happened on the steps up to Air Force One. Uh, I put it in our show notes. Uh, he pulled a Ford. Yeah, um, Terry Ford. Yeah, so, and I realized that uh, we are of a certain age where we know where that is when... Uh, producer Roberto was like, what do you mean pulling a Ford? <laughs> and then I realized he might have thought that I meant pulling some sort of vehicle, like uh, putting out a very reliable truck. Or uh, I feel bad for the guy who's going to be playing Joe Biden for the next couple of weeks on SNL because it's going to be a lot of falls down the stairs is I, all I'm saying. I, I feel like uh, that fucked up uh, Chevy Chase's career, basically, yeah. when he had to start taking falls <laughs> as Ford. Yeah, is it Jim Carrey who does Biden? So, mm. I mean, he's a physical. No, no, he was doing... Um, no, he was doing Biden, yes. but not anymore. Who's doing Biden now? I don't know. Somebody on the on the regular cast. Well, hey, you got you're about to learn the art of physical comedy. <laughs> Jim Carrey made a whole career out of that. Yeah, I mean, Ace Ventura is just physical comedy. I mean, Chevy Chase was making a career out of it until he hurt himself. Yeah, and then <laughs> and, I mean, Christmas Vacation, man. Don't you want to have the number one movie in the country once a year for a decade? Come on, buddy. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, Trump, uh, Trump, Biden. Biden <laughs> uh, crossed the tarmac at uh, Andrews, Joint Base Andrews, mm-hmm. uh, which is not Andrews Air Force Base, uh, as I was reminded this week, and uh, then 
climbed the steps to Air Force One where he slipped two steps, slipped again, and then in trying to call, catch himself, fell completely. And Corey, I'm glad that you had the same reaction <laughs> I did when I saw that video. And it was a reminder of being 10 years old on Easter Sunday and being like, you didn't scuff those church shoes. Yeah. You didn't scuff the you church shoes. You just bought brand new shoes and you walked into church like, I ain't going to, like you're going to step on that fucking marble floor and go ass over tea kettle. Because <laughs> you didn't bit, score your shoes. This is the difference between the uh, the Catholics and the Protestants. Because <laughs> we had the, uh, the wood floors yeah. for most of the church, but the stairs had carpet. So you get your bearings on the wood floor. It's nice and level. But then you get on that third step. And it'd be like, shin, oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. And that is exactly what Biden did. He didn't scuff his church shoes. And then he he was fine on the tarmac. He's sitting, he's chatting, he's saluting everybody. He's doing the Tucker Carlson, as we've been calling it, where <laughs> you got to make sure you hit everybody. Yeah, I can't like, miss a single salute. Uh, he was four hours late leaving because there was 33,000 soldiers and he was 3,000 salutes <laughs> all the way through. Tucker Carlson called out because there was a guy hiding under the stairs. Uh, does that the guy stairs? in the tarmac does not deserve to be saluted? <laughs> uh, what did he do? Who would Tucker Carlson be if he wasn't best friends with uh, the guy who owned Fox News? <laughs> uh, he'd be producer Roberto. He'd That's what t- I think. He'd, he'd be, be Tucker Carlson. It's the same person. Just- just without the platform. That's uh, yeah, yeah, he'd be the silent third party producing <laughs> a podcast somewhere. Uh, but so he he didn't scuff his shoes. He was fine on the tarmac. He hit those carpeted stairs for Air Force One. He knows his own podcast called This Isn't About Race and Other Things That Are About Race. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he got the stairs. Uh, and I, I think I made the conclusion that it was about it was a church shoes argument. Yeah. On the second slip because he almost caught himself on the first slip and you see him take a little bit of a cautious extra step. And then I was like, I know that I've been there before where yeah. you're like, no, 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 it's okay. I got this. And you do not have it. Absolutely. <laughs> for people, for people who uh, maybe don't know what this is, it might be a valuable lesson to learn. Uh, I, and we don't know if it's because he didn't score his shoes, but uh, that's an often, oftentimes where I find myself uh, in a suit falling down is <laughs> I didn't score my shoes. Uh, uh, if you look at the bottom of your tennis shoe, you'll see a bunch of lines in it yes. that help you have grip when you're yes. like walking around. Uh, if you look at the bottom of a dress shoe, it'll just like be a solid piece of wood or like, you know, the uh, with sole, uh, of, some sole of some kind, yes. but it will be flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you want to do is you want to take like a knife or something like that and just sort of like make little lines in it. So this is uh, just so you can. This might be a Catholic Protestant difference as well. We didn't do the knife. What we did is you'd go out on the way to the car. And when you get out to the car, and I mean, uh, if you have a, a paved driveway, you grab onto the, the frame of the car and you just scuff your feet against the ground a couple times yeah, just to start roughing it up. And you get some pebbles in there, too. Well, and no, if you do it with the knife first, you just do like a couple quick, like yeah. just getting the top layer unscuffed up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do like a couple across and a couple down. So you have like a, a, a tic-tac-toe type of thing going on. And then you go out and you step in the dirt a little bit mm-hmm. and just sort of like rub it. And just get that, uh, like, the callus of the bottom of the dress shoe. I'm just realizing DJ Khaled is losing <laughs> his mind right now. Uh, and uh, I, we know a girl who owns maybe $10,000 worth of shoes. And I'm wondering how many of the bottoms of her shoes are just, like, untouched. I don't know if girls do that. Do girls score no, shoes? No, 100% not. No, Louboutins, the whole point is that they stay red on yeah. the bottom. So it's like, you don't wear your shoes. You 
carry them to the car. Because like when you some, get in the car, you put them on so you can be seen from the car to the door. Because from time to time, I see heels that sort of have like the plastic bumpers built in that have like a little bit of like a uh, That's pattern. That's for. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But then some just look like, you know, like the same type of material that like the Russian nesting dolls are made of. <laughs> this is like the like on a stiletto. You'll get that the slick the heel, slick wood. The heel will have a cap on it yeah. that is essentially scored, so it'll grip. And then the flat part is all color, but right at the back of the flat part, which is kind of the heel, yeah. there'll be another little rim, and that's meant to grip between mm. the the heel. Yeah. And anyway, um, the whole point of that being uh, <laughs> score your shoes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, gentlemen. Uh, yeah. Score your shoes. Uh, ladies, if you own a pair of $3,000 shoes, do not score those shoes. Also, <laughs> if you are dating a girl with $3,000 shoes, break up with her. Because that is ridiculous. Uh, we're going to talk about Kylie Jenner in a bit. You'll see why I say that. Um, nonetheless, uh, so I called that uh, Biden pulling a Ford. Again, President Ford famously fell down the stairs. Uh, also, shut up, right, Twitter. Like... I would much rather have a guy who falls down and then is like a self deprecating about doing it. than the guy who falls down and then says, I never fall down. I don't know what you're talking about. I was the greatest climber ever. And also, uh, if I told you, I have poor people score my shoes for me. <laughs> if I told you, uh, <laughs> I, I, mm. I just, I, I just generally speaking, I think we're, we're, we understand that Biden is not going to have explosive claims like Trump every like every week we'd yeah. come on this podcast and we'd say something like, oh, here's what stupid fucking thing Trump said this week. And this is how it's destroying democracy. Yeah. <laughs> like the worst we have to worry about with Biden right now, other than the war crimes that are potentially happening, is the uh, falling down the snares. Yeah. So uh, I, I really I'm kind of happy to just be in this place, at least for a little while, where the presidency isn't a constant weekly battle against the. <laughs> Like, what the fuck is going on and with the executive branch? To be fair, still an improvement. Because uh, I said he pulled a Ford and then he pulled an Obama. Because yeah. uh, we also supported Saudi Arabia while they bombed Yemen again this week. But Trump also continued bombing third world countries or developing countries uh, where brown children were uh, given bombs instead of, you know, shoes and food. Well, it's the American so, way. So. Like, uh, the American industrial complex, the American <laughs> entertainment complex, things I've learned a lot about this week. But uh, if you missed that particular news story, uh, Saudi Arabia has been in uh, about a four-year-long war with the kingdom. Uh, I'm sorry, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia has been in about a four-year-long war with the kingdom of Yemen. Um, the only two countries in the world, by the way, without the term "republic" hmm. in their name, um, or that are not certified democracies. So, United States of America, we do democratic voting, therefore we don't have to call ourselves a republic. The People's Democratic Republic of Korea. Not democratic at all, so they have to put the words democratic and republic in their name so that we yeah. think that they are. Uh, Saudi Arabia, fuck y'all. <laughs> kingdom. That's right, I'm a king. Uh, anyway, one of the, uh, the few major countries remaining that is a kingdom attacking one of the other ones. Uh, as you might guess, this is again about oil rights. But uh, they've basically been using American weapons to bomb a developing country back into the Stone Age from which they very nearly just came out of essentially yeah. like a very rich Royal family has depressed an entire country and kept them in peasantry. And they're just starting to climb out of it. And now Saudi Arabia is sending them back because they won't uh, give them oil rights. And um, it is a humanitarian crisis. It, the president of the United States is complicit. I read something this week that said the job of president of the United States should just be a qualification for a war crime because essentially 
no matter who you are, Democrat or Republican, you just keep allowing this kind of stuff to happen. Yeah. Uh, and uh, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, who was same as the well, old I boss. Well, I mean, the, the, old boss. The, the, the problem at the end of the day is going to be that the, the last couple of presidents have heard from Bush onward, really, uh, have heard about drones as this ability to fly into war zones without people. Yes, we don't risk the, our own servicemen, right? Yeah, so. we just fly in a drone and we just bomb the whole village and then we don't have to worry about American soldiers dying and we can take care of a problem. The difference is that in the past, you would send those American soldiers in and they would clear the town of, you know, they get all the, <laughs> all the civilians. civilians out of the way yes. and arrest the bad guy, arrest the terrorist. Uh, that's not how it works now because we just bomb the whole village uh, or bomb the wedding or bomb the whatever we bomb to get to the point where one terrorist might be dead and a lot of innocent civilians and at the I, same time. I, I want to be fair because these were not American bombs. Yes, they were American made. Yes, they were sold by America to Saudi Arabia, but an American drone landed at a Kingdom of Saud base where Saudi bombs were loaded onto American drones. Um, and then Saudi pilots piloted those drones with the assistance of American pilots who were very much nearby. Yeah. Uh, and they were guided by uh, Saudi jets through Saudi airspace. So this was a Saudi operation. Um, the Saudi jets were American F-16s that we sold them. The drones were American that we leased them. The bombs were American that we sold them. Um, the only thing that wasn't sourced in America was... Again, the brown children that died when that bomb went off. Or the people who flew the the planes to. Well, see, and that... So we sent uh, American coaches to Vietnam mm. to teach South Vietnamese how to fly. And what it turned out was, uh, because they weren't up to snuff, that the American pilots would have the Vietnamese pilots sign the logbook, and then they'd get in the plane and fly the mission. Makes sense. And uh, so I have some doubts about who may have actually been <laughs> flying the drone that we were leasing them because it's like, well, if you crash this, uh, we lose a drone. So why don't you sign that logbook and then you sit over in that chair over there with those goggles on and you can fly the mission with the VR goggles. Like, got them on tight? Okay, great. Let's spool up the drone. <laughs> and then like, yeah, I'm going to fly the mission myself. Like, you know, sure. Um, and I say that the only thing that wasn't American was the brown children on the ground. But as we've also come to learn this week, uh, treating brown children with some sort of disdain is also a very American value. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the the Asian hate, that's American value. The, yeah, yeah. the brown children hate, that's an American yeah. value. Uh, uh, and uh, <laughs> But I, I want to be clear, Corey, we are no longer... The lone wolves who seem like a <laughs> ravenous pack. Also very American. <laughs> uh, but I want to be clear, we are no longer keeping... Kids in cages. That is an undemocratic idea. Now, we have uh, unaccompanied minors that are arriving at the border in overflow facilities. This yeah. is a very different thing. Do you, you don't need to show the picture. It, it, it's very different. It doesn't matter that it looks exactly the same. Um, it doesn't matter that there are kids sleeping on a concrete floor inside of chain link fence. This is not kids in cages. No, I mean, they can't leave. Um <laughs> They're, they're not there for very long. Like it's 10, effectively the same, but it's it, Biden's president. All right. It's not kids in cages. Uh, also, I I understand for, for those of you who are more the far right, uh, like Corey, um, Obama built the cages. Obama built the cages. 
it was a democratic policy to start putting kids in cages. Yeah. He just didn't get caught. And then Trump bragged about putting kids in cages because it went to his base. And yeah. uh, for Obama, he was like, we got to do this, but don't tell anybody because they are not going to like this uh, back in uh, Feinstein's district uh, or uh, AOC's district where the heart of the Democratic Party is. Uh, not Diane Feinstein. She is not the heart of the Democratic Party. But the people in her district. She certainly. barely has a heart. Barely. Barely. <laughs> uh, like Dick Cheney. She might be on number two or three. I don't know. Uh, but I wouldn't put it, or put it past her shooting people in the face either. <laughs> Just... Well, she, shoot, uh, she shoots police investigators. Your solution face. makes too much sense. <laughs> <laughs> what? Don't tell them about the tennis shoes. <laughs> so there's tennis shoes that we got to worry about. Uh, watch the uh, Nightcrawler? No. Yeah. Night Stalker. Night Stalker, yeah. Night Stalker documentary. Uh, but oh, Fucking so, Diane. Uh, I, everything I find out about her, I just hate her more. <laughs> and I hate the people of California for continuing to vote for her. Anyway, that's aside, beside the point. Um, we found out this week that uh, we are now reaching another crisis on the border, and we'll see how President Biden handles this. Uh, 114,000 people arrived in the last uh, 30 days, and we were averaging about... Uh, 866 people before that period and then during Trump's like highest level it was something like 8,000 people a week so we're uh or 80,000 people a week so we are above what we said was a crisis before but Biden's saying it's not uh, a crisis yeah they've turned the Dallas Convention Center into an overflow facility and uh as Jen Pisecki Pisecki yes uh Saki I think Pisecki Saki I think the there's P's a P silent. right is it yeah. silent yeah I think so Damn. all right I watched this girl this woman every day on CNN and I have a bit of a crush on her. And so I listen with the volume down. And then when I see her, I'm like, Oh, Hey, <laughs> and then I'd never actually get to the volume before. So I'm not really sure how she says her name. Nonetheless. Um, the point is that she said, uh, policy of the administration is that what you're seeing in those pictures is the intake facility. And that very quickly they are moved to a much more comfortable place with beds and, and, uh, everything. Um, that I assume that there's some worry about the uh, that some people may be coming in who appear to be teenagers but are actually older, so they interview them and also like, is are your parents in the U.S. already or uh, you know uh, whatever, whatever you ask a six year old or ten yeah. year old who's come to the border unaccompanied. Well, um, I mean there are there are problems that uh, the U.S. has uh, tried to get past. So, and. In the uh, past years, when a child would show up at the border, uh, they would ask, who are you here to, like, go to? Like, yeah. Where are you going? Who's waiting for you? Yeah. Man? And then you might say, you know, Uncle Juan is waiting for me. Right. Uh, and then the they would say, OK, have fun with Uncle Juan. And they yeah. release you. And you wouldn't know if Uncle Juan was a murderer or a child molester or a gang member or anything like that. Yeah. Sex just, trafficker. He's just the name that the kid gave. Yeah. So, uh I've heard that there is more to the process now that involves making sure that the person that the child is going to go find is not going to be problematic in some sort of way. Yeah. Uh, well, but it, it's not quite the system of like, you know, if you wanted to adopt a friend's kid, like, you know, both the parents, uh, Mr. And Mrs. Wayne were murdered and you have agreed to adopt the child. Uh, there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through in order to adopt the child. Uh, there's, but there's, they're not nearly as many hoops to jump through <laughs> if you are the uh going to be the, the recipient uh, recipient of, the, of yeah. the un undocumented child but uh if you've been the recipient of 45 undocumented children this month then we got some questions yeah. uh because it 
I, I mean, honestly, it was a it was a problem that you could have a sex trafficking ring. What's that, this guy's name again? Willy Wonka. I fucking hey, knew it. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> that, that guy. Uh, but you could have a sex trafficking ring that was essentially like somebody on one side of the border walking a child nearly to the border and then being like, when you get there, you ask for this guy at this address, this guy at this address. And they essentially would just be like, oh, we found him. Check back in with us in 20 yeah. days. Okay. And honestly, if you didn't check back in, nobody would really check. And now you have entered the U.S. for Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know uh, why exactly you would. But um, the point is that uh, kids are still in cages. You should know about this. Uh, we should be upset about this. And we've actually reached, as you pointed out, the point where we're not enraged about something different every three days. So let's find some energy to be enraged about this. Um, I mean, I, I, am, I am more than willing to get enraged about this. I am... Uh, willing to give Biden a little bit more time to sort it out. I I I don't like it, but I didn't like it when it was somebody else's responsibility. You know, like two months ago. So, uh, I I I would rather this be closer to the top of the list. Like mm-hmm. right now, they're talking about DC statehood, which I think is something that needs to happen. Not because uh, DC deserves it, or like not because. Uh, of any particular thing, but because, you know, like they have to defend themselves if they're under attack again, like the Capitol on well, January 6th. What they're but. talking about is election security because you're going to get uh, a 50 or 51st state that is going to have two Democratic senators and yeah. a Democratic representative. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, who has more people in it than Wyoming or good job, Vermont. Good or- job, Congress. Let's focus on the important things like winning the next election. I'm glad Did you know, I, I saw this uh, not too long before we started. Uh, that if you combined both the Dakotas and Montana and Nebraska and Idaho, you'd have a state the size of Connecticut. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Population-wise. And, wise, and I, I mean, that's going to be... <laughs> I, I know that D.C. is larger than three states, I think. D.C. Yeah. has more people in three states. But then I realized that like, if you were a Republican and you were doing that math... Um, and most, obviously, con- Republicans who are serving now are strict constitutionalists. They're only counting three-fifths of a person, so <laughs> it doesn't exactly count up the same way. Yeah. Um, and speaking of uh, mistakes from our past, SCOTUS. Uh, <laughs> just in general, just SCOTUS. But uh, they're in the news this week, uh, not because I, I say that, but then they've been relatively responsible over the last few weeks, actually. They haven't had a lot of uh, very... Uh very controversial rulings. They've turned down things though that could have been controversial yeah. rulings. So good for them, I guess. I think I think they're waiting for they they don't want it to, to get right into it. They got time now. So well, we have the <laughs> absolute abortion ban in Arizona or wherever they passed it. So I'm yeah. sure that'll be fun in the next few months and years. Yeah. By the where's Briar? <laughs> can we get him to? Can we get him on a goddamn island somewhere? Um, like, I would just like everyone, all of the older, uh, democratically nominated justices to just, let's just retire right now. This, we got the majority. We can get this done. Put just Mayor retire. Pete on the bench. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, um, I'm, uh, what? Eight years out of law school. I have <laughs> with the insurance that the justices have and yeah. the gym and all of that stuff. I got a solid 60 years in front of me. You throw me on that bench. I will be legislating from the far left <laughs> for the next 50 years. I mean, I just propose that we burn hammers and sickles on people's lawns. I am exactly who you want to balance that court out. G- 
Sheik with the dissenting opinion, just merely one word, guillotines. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's not a dissenting. It's a, uh, a concurring opinion. I agree with everything you're saying, but I would go further. Guillotines. Thank you. Um, but so they're back in the news because the state of Massachusetts is appealing a decision. And uh, now uh, Roberto has placed doubt in my mind because I read the story and I was like, uh, but my understanding of it is he was given the death penalty that uh, Sarnayev, who is the, the surviving Boston bomber, you remember that the other Boston bomber was executed in the back of a boat by police when they had an unconstitutional search and they shut the city of Boston down for three days. Um, but the surviving one, no, 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 the other guy, his brother was murdered. Oh, his brother was run over by the cop car. That's right. His brother was run over by a cop car, summarily executed. Uh, he was found in the back of a boat and shot and survived, unfortunately for them. But uh, he had a trial, he was found guilty, and he was given the death penalty, which was then later rolled back from death to life in prison. And the state of Massachusetts is appealing because they'd like to impose the death penalty on him. And the Supreme Court has to decide whether or not the, I think it's called the family life rule or the family something rule will apply or not to allow the state of Massachusetts to execute uh, a, a boy. Yeah. And I say boy. He has, he's Caucasian because he's from the Caucasus, but he's now white, so it's weird. Well, I don't know whether they call him a beast or a boy. So, so uh, what I'm reading here is uh, that the uh, they're looking into whether or not they can give the death penalty after the fact because it, in the penalty phase, uh, they threw it out citing jury selection issues and a failure to properly screen jurors for bias. Okay. So the appeals court... Uh, vacated the death penalty with directions to hold a new penalty phase trial, but warned, make no mistake, uh, Sarnev will be spending the rest of his days locked up in prison. And then the Trump administration had asked the Supreme Court to step in, arguing the bombs caused devastating injury that left uh, the street with a ravaged combat zone look. Uh, So this is like Trump's try to push a a, uh, capital punishment case. Yeah, so... uh, All that from the CNN article about this. So so it was that they hadn't asked the jury pool necessarily about enough questions about the death penalty for them to get jurors out who wouldn't possibly vote for the death penalty, maybe. And then he was found guilty. They wanted to apply the death penalty, uh, but there was a problem with jury selection, uh, clearly. Trump, who executed 13 people in seven months between July and the end of his term... Wanted to add another body to that body count. Yeah. Uh, so he, they pushed for it. What is Biden going to do? Generally, the Justice Department follows a like, well, we're going to continue with whatever steps had already been taken, but no oral argument has been had. It's just come up for review at the Supreme Court. Yeah. So now it's the heartless of like, do you get up there and you give like a half energy presentation or do you just say we're going to remove our appeal? <laughs> Or does Biden reveal himself to be a centrist? The lawyer for the government walks up and it's just like, hello, dudes and dudesettes, which is how the Supreme Court likes to be addressed. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe (laughs) approach the uh, bench without asking. Like, uh, what is the town? God damn it. It's right outside of uh, L.A. here. Uh, Dudes and dudettes. Um, Fuck. San. uh, Oh, uh, from uh, uh, Bill and Ted. Yes. Uh, Fuck. San Dimas. San Dimas. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, maybe in San Dimas in 2525, <laughs> that's how you would address the Supreme Court, but I don't know if that's how it would be uh, today. Ah, uh, the Supreme Court of San Dimas. <laughs> uh, and 
you know, I would say the Supreme Court of San Dimas and, uh, you know, the Supreme Court of Public Opinion, probably on the same intelligence level. Uh, and that's why, unfortunately, we have to talk about something that I never wanted to talk about on this podcast ever, and that is a Jenner. I mean, Jenner, a Kardashian or a Jenner. Yeah. Um, and I'm fine talking about Caitlyn Jenner because I think that is a, an issue of public importance about the acceptance of trans people. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about Kylie Jenner, which already makes my heart sink. Uh, and we're talking about Carly, Kylie Jenner being fake and no. rich. And now I'm just like, uh, duh. But uh, anyway, so this week uh, it made headlines, which is why we have to talk about it, that uh, Kylie Jenner's former makeup artist got in an accident and suffered brain damage and needed surgery. And the family started to go fund me, which Kylie pushed on her social media and then donated $5,000 to. And just to cut to the chase of this, when she donated $5,000, it hit, pushed it over the top of the goal. They wanted 10000 It was at 6000 something. She donated 5000 pushed them over the goal. She shared it on social media for like the extras, like the idea that maybe we can get them to 15000 of their $10,000 goal. Mm-hmm. However, somebody then changed the goal from, fi- from 10000 to 50000 and a couple of other stars who had worked with this uh, guy before also donated 5,000 matching Kylie's. And then when they hit 50,000, they upped it again and they upped it again. And now it's up a uh, $120,000 goal. But people are saying, Hey, Kylie, uh, self self called self claimed youngest self-made billionaire. It's 60 K for the surgery. Um, you can't just come out of pocket with the 60 K instead of sharing on your social media and asking people to donate. Like, come on. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think she's responsible for that. I mean, like it, I don't think that, you know, in the, in the best case, uh, scenario, uh, everyone has health insurance somehow, uh, either through a public option or through a private option. I was going to say, I, I, if and you want the solution, great. I have an idea, not just Kylie. Let's, Grab money from all of the billionaires mm-hmm. and let's stick it in a big pot. And then if anyone needs surgery, not just somebody who knows them, but anyone in the country wants it, we take money out of that pot and we pay for the surgery for it. Yeah. Which might sound weird to all of you and probably a good idea. And then I would say, yeah, that's a single healthcare system or single payer system. And then half the people are like, well, no, that's socialism. I don't <laughs> want that. And like, okay, so you like the idea, but if I tell you it's a single payer system. I mean, I, I just... It's it's a uh, I'm not trying to use the word slippery slope to make it sound like this is a really big issue, but it's a slippery slope in the sense of like, at what point does somebody's relation to you extend to you having to cover every single ill in their life because you have money and they don't? I mean, I I personally uh, really respect uh, people who had fantastic wealth and donated almost all of it. I mean, like, yeah. You know what? What Bill Gates plans to do with his wealth when he dies? Mm, fuck him. Well, I'm saying it's a tr- uh, Andrew Carnegie. Fuck him too. Uh, because what you did is you took a lot of money from a lot of poor people and you lived a lavish life. Mm-hmm. And then when you didn't need it anymore, you gave it back in ways, and that's great. Bill Gates amassed an incredible fortune, and now is going to spend the last 20 years of his life giving it away. Yeah, but I mean, like Bill Gates made an incredible fortune because he got in at the right time on the computer game. And was there to capitalize. All the people who worked at Microsoft at that time also made good money. I mean, it's not like they were sure. they were all very well, you know. He uh, also created a monopoly, which rose the price of the computer on the average American. Right. 
to fund the very nice pay at Microsoft for himself and other people. Yeah. So would it have been better if instead of now donating incredible amounts for the next 20 years, he had said, let's, you know, not create a monopoly. Or if we do, let's make it more affordable so that Rob's family, who is exceedingly middle class, can afford a computer a little sooner or newer computer a little sooner so that maybe he can learn HTML a little more than designing his MySpace page yeah, and but, maybe have a jump on the future. But Microsoft is very, has very little responsibility for that. They're, you know, like the cost of windows while high was not, uh, was not the thing that kept you out of a computer when you were a kid, you know, the cost of all the manufacturing of the computer was the problem. Like, you know, your problem was with Dell, not with Microsoft, because the license for Windows was, you know, something ridiculous, but not ridiculous in terms of how much you're paying for the computer. Well, but Dell also paid $75 on the two grand you're spending on the computer. Yes, and Dell also paid a yearly licensing fee to Microsoft. Right. So not only the cost of the license for my computer, but the and cost when you're buying it when you were a kid, your parents are going to say, Oh, well, he needs Microsoft Word and PowerPoint and Excel in case he needs to write up a paper. Yeah. Uh, so they spend the extra $300 to Microsoft for that as well. Like, uh, you know, there, there's costs there. But I'm saying, like, you know, the the thing that was keeping computers out of the hands of school children at that time was not Microsoft. It was the cost of having a computer. Well, all I can say is I live a relatively reasonable life. And pre-COVID, I was donating essentially a third of my take-home to causes that I believe in. Yeah. And still living relatively comfortably where mm-hmm. I have an apartment. Uh, I had a car at that time. Uh, you know, I would go out when I wanted to go out and I could buy the things I wanted to buy. I could spend money on any Instagram ad that popped up in my, in my way and still live a re- relatively reasonable life. And I will maintain that in non COVID periods for the rest of my life. We've argued before when I said, if I get that first million dollars, the likelihood that my life changes at all yeah. is probably low because I would like to set aside five years of income for me, which at, let's call it $70,000 a year, okay? Set aside $70,000 times five uh, after taxes, which is probably just basically my million, my part of the million dollars. But everything else, uh, let's go down and start a school breakfast program somewhere. Let's go uh, start a, a, fund a library, fund a, yeah. a program for finding a cure to a disease or something, something that make the money do something good um, instead of just amassing wealth for myself. Cause I, I don't understand that, but um, I understand that's not uh, a thing that people think about. I know also know that Kylie Jenner is in this trouble because she only donated money because she wanted to be seen on social media, donating money because yeah. much like mm. the trip to the Maldives that the family took, that was very, uh, people pointed out it was like $60,000 a day to travel with the family to the Maldives and, um, it was one day of that was a surgery, but now they're like the official partners with that resort. So they'll travel there free for the rest of her life. So yeah. we spent a little bit of money, but, uh, now we have this great benefit and she was hoping to make a $5,000 donation and get a bunch of goodwill, which would lead to more money, which is how billionaires amass billions. Yeah. Um, and it blew up in your face, in her face. So, uh, much like Bill Gates, fuck you very much. <laughs> Kylie Jenner. It's a different kind of like, uh, you know, it's funny if you talk to somebody who works in like construction, right? Uh, sometimes they'll have a hammer that costs five times the amount that the, your hammer costs. Yeah. And you'll say, like, Why, what, what's wrong with my hammer? And they'll be like, nothing's wrong with your hammer. That works just fine. But I have this one because it's got magnetism and it's got, like, whatever else features I need, and that costs more. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you can buy a little recorder to record, like, uh, do voice memos mm-hmm. uh, for 50 bucks or something like that. But if you want to do movies, you have to spend a lot more on the, the value of the thing you've got, right? Sure. So with somebody like the Kardashians or Jenners, uh, there's a lot of costs that go into it seems like it's a heavy cost at the front of the 60 grand a day on the the resort and stuff like that but they figured out how to make uh more than 60 grand a day's worth of hay out of what they're doing and therefore get income based off of that much the same as like you'll see them walking out of some restaurant wearing a super expensive get gown or like a super expensive dress super expensive shoes uh, and then have a picture of themselves taken and then put into a magazine where it's just like, who wore it better or something like yeah. that. Uh, these are all decisions made because if this gown gets you a picture that goes on to people, then it's worth a certain value to, <laughs> to your bottom line. You know, well, there's like, a lot of expenses. I was born with these lips and they have to go to doctor three, four, five times a year to have lips that look as beautiful as mine. I understand that. It's a very cost heavy. But um also maybe fuck them. Go work at McDonald's no, I, like I, any other 21-year-old Kylie. You I mean if you you live maybe even just fuck her but also you live by the sword you die by the sword. So you wanted to make hay from donating $5,000. Now you deserve the shit you're getting. Also, you're not the first the youngest self-made billionaire so fuck yourself. <laughs> um cuz you're not self-made. Uh anyway, off of the news, onto the probably the more important topic of the week, uh, and that is, it is time, folks. The uh, trilogy is nearing its debut of the third movie. I guess yeah. the conclusion, yeah, the dramatic the conclusion. Yes, we are. It's time for COVID hard with a vengeance, <laughs> because the third movie is uh, starting now, uh, or the third wave, I guess, is starting now. Um, three stories this week all show that we are fucked. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, starting out, uh, Brazil is seeing a resurgence in, uh, it's, uh, rates of COVID from the Brazilian variant, which is Brazil, uh, variant P.2. Uh, it has this very same or very similar mutation to the South African variant and the UK variant, which is on the N9.07Y protein, essentially meaning it's more contagious It, however, also has another mutation, which uh, scarily, and the reason that Brazil is having so many problems right now, is allowing for reinfection of former COVID patients in as little as six weeks. So if you had COVID more than six weeks ago, you could possibly get this variant again. Yeah. And if you had that variant six weeks ago, you could still get this, get it again. Yeah. Basically, the body doesn't know how to adapt in a way that even though the, the virus has run its course, it doesn't adapt so that you can't get it a second time. Um, and of course, if you get it a second time, you're much more likely to have worse reaction, worse symptoms, more chance of death. And that variant has made its way to American shores. So it's been found in California. Well, not only that, but just like, you know, like right now, if somebody just got sick with COVID, you know, we're, we're factoring in sort of like a six-month immunity period where you're going to be protected from getting sick again. Right. Uh, at least hypothetically. This is sort of like a a, uh, a thought about number, or like a, uh, a possible number for Generally, how long. Generally, an understanding about uh, SARS, MERS, coronavirus types, and how an unvaccinated person reacts to it. Yeah. Um, so, 
I, I just, uh, I really think that we're, uh, if we would have just shut this shit down from the beginning, Mm -hmm. if everyone would have made this more serious, so we wouldn't be dealing with variants and every opportunity that we have to get a new variant increases our opportunity that we are going to have to quarantine or not quarantine, but like stay in longer and not go back to life the way it was. And, or we're going to get a variant that is more deadly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I keep going back to the 12 monkeys example where they said the whole story of 12 monkeys is virus came out, didn't kill a lot of people, but it was very contagious. And then we got a handle on it. And right before we were out of it, it mutated into a deadly form and killed 95% of the people on the planet. Uh, And the longer that we're fighting it, because we just keep letting these variants pop up and spread the closer we are to that happening. Uh, By the way, in Australia, if you're an Australian, you can go to a rave this summer. Yeah. 2,000 people at a rave in Sydney. Uh, and on the opposite side of that coin, 6,000 people at a party in Marseille, and there were like 3,000 arrests because Europe is experiencing the third wave. It's starting to shut down again. And I think I, I've said this before, but if I haven't, Europe is our canary in the coal mine. They got the vaccines before us because their health services pushed it through faster than the FDA did. So they got the vaccine earlier. They started rolling out the vaccine earlier. They started opening up earlier. And now they're hitting the third wave. Three weeks, four weeks later, we approved the vaccine. We rolled out the vaccine. We started opening up. And we are at the opening up phase now while they're at the third wave shutting down now. Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen in a few weeks? Uh, I'm going to put it on shutting down again. And we don't have to do that, but people are dumb. Yeah. And I would say, you know, you're right about uh, if we if we stayed inside, we could avoid the variants, we could avoid the third wave. And luckily, people everywhere, especially in South Florida, are being so responsible about the way that we treat COVID. About that. <laughs> um, the images from Miami are fucking ridiculous. And uh, more than anything... You know, I, I'm not opposed to people like I, I really wish they wouldn't congregate in Miami like this. But I can understand how some people who maybe got vaccinated or, you know, are young and healthy can see a way that like I'm just going to be around other young, healthy people. Yeah. And they they rationalize it in their mind. Uh, you know, college kids are also very selfish. Like <laughs> I can I can totally see a way how. Uh, a 22-year-old Rob or a 21-year-old Rob, if it was the age of COVID, would still find his way to spring break somewhere. I, you I, know, I, I don't know about that. Oh, what I was going to say is, is the actions that are going down are not surprising. Yeah. If you were in Daytona Beach in 2003, that might have been Rob on any of those videos, acting yeah. a fool in the middle of the street, drunk off his ass, falling down. But it wasn't the age of COVID. And I would like to think that a 22-year-old, 21-year-old Rob was still deathly afraid of a virus because he had an understanding of virology and science and would have said, y'all are dumb. I'm not going. I wouldn't even have gone back to school. Yeah. Because we would have had to go from Maryland to, to uh, back to New York. And I would have just been like, eh, I'm okay. I'll do this remote. So what you're telling me is uh, I'm going to pay you $50,000 to stay in a dorm, which raises my risk. Uh, and also uh, have to go to class, which raises my risk, and possibly die. I'm going to stay home. That's cool. 
uh, I work at movie gallery. Because by the way, uh, the year before, year what? before my senior year, I got offered a district manager job at movie gallery video stores, which was a thriving business and had nothing but potential. What, what worries me most about these kids in Miami, though, just based off of what I'm hearing about on the ground, is that it's not just some people who decided they were going to party regardless yeah. and go. It was everyone saying, well, the only place we can go is Florida because it's open or Texas. Right. Uh, like that. But why would we go to Texas for spring break? <laughs> Let's go to Florida for spring break. Uh, and By the way, Galveston's not, nice. You can go to Galveston. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not nice. I'm just saying it's not quite Miami. I, for some reason, you know, people when they're looking for a fun weekend away are not factoring Galveston v. Miami. You the know? thoughts come out in <laughs> Miami. We know how it works. Yeah. We've been to Miami. We know. What what bothers me is that people took this opportunity to say, pandemic's over, I'm going to go fucking crazy this weekend, unlike any weekend I have ever done before. Like, I, I now is the time where I can finally break loose mm -hmm. from coronavirus because it's done. We're on the downslope, and we can go do spring break the way we were supposed to because we were gypped of it last year. So we're going to do double spring break because we didn't get it the way we should have, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is not the logic to be applying here. No, and no, it's not. It makes me worried that, people, you know, and and uh, I'm not against we, we've talked a lot about things closing down and restrictions and, you know, restaurants opening and all that sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm really not against businesses being open if they're doing it safely and taking precautions and doing what they can to try and keep people from getting sick, which is most businesses. They want to not get people sick, you know, like. No, I'm saying like if you walk down Sunset and you're just looking at restaurants there, mm -hmm. none of them are just like fuck the people who come in. <laughs> like well, they want to they want to do what they can to appear to be safe because okay. people will not come in if they don't feel like they're safe. I agree with that. Uh, yeah. In the video, I said they want to look safe. Yeah. But they don't want to interfere with having business come in either. So if we can scoot the tables a little closer and get two more tables in, we're going to do that because people are still justifying their mind. Like, well, it's not touching, so we're fine. Yeah. But anyway. No, I, I, I get it. I'm just saying like, you know, uh, it's tough because, you know, like I, I don't want to come down against restaurants and say they can't be open or anything like that. I love going to restaurants. Uh, my point is that, if your opening is going to give a roadmap for what everyone is allowed to do as often as they want, then it's not the same, you know, like, cause people aren't hearing outdoor dining is open and saying like, Oh man, I can't wait to celebrate my birthday in a month and a half with a respectful <laughs> little yeah, yeah, yeah. dinner amongst my close friends who I've been seeing throughout the, the uh, coronavirus. It's the, Oh, thank God I can go to seven straight days worth of restaurants uh, this week because they're open now and they haven't been open before. So now I can go hog wild because Hi, stranger. it's can allowed I again. Can, hi, stranger. Can I spit in your mouth? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, let's do it. Um, well, and listen, I understand that you are, uh, you're in a tough, it's, it's a tough place. Uh, it is a devil's bargain, if you will. Um, money, economy, growth, restaurants being open and human life. These are equivalent things and we need to treat them as equivalent things and I, it's very worrisome <laughs> I get it. I have so. never said that. you 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 take that out of out of context. My my point was you can't you can't completely stop the economy for the value of like a indeterminate number of lives that could be saved. Like if I tell you we can st we can save all the lives and it's going to require shutting down the economy. 
but that that has a that has a effect on the other side. If you if you said nobody goes to work, everyone stays in your home for the next three weeks while we get this shit under control. Yeah, it's not like flicking on and off the light switch. The economy doesn't just come back on when you flip it back no, I, I get three that. weeks yeah. later. Yeah, there are going to be profound impacts that happen because of the turning off of the economy, mm-hmm. and people will die because they don't get their job back and they don't live. They don't. They can't afford their family or their housing payments or any of these. Like there will there will be deaths from shutting down mm-hmm. just the same as there will be deaths from people living their normal every day. Like, you know, like we, we talked about uh temple street before, like they're trying to do the roadwork project because the, the project zero, because there are so many uh, people who die yeah. in uh, vehicular accidents on temple. They want to bring the number down to zero. Realistically, you're never going to bring it down to zero. Mm-hmm. You, you can't, you could build 15 feet foot tall walls on the side of the road keeping the sidewalk away from the Someone's street climate yeah jump in the street. somebody will die yeah. like it's just it's bound to happen uh you know how much do you how much are you willing extra to spend to make the 15 foot walls to keep maybe two people who weren't going to die from dying who are stupid enough to die in some other way you know like it, it's a like what it, it's a uh, kind of the the you remember the game lemmings yes where yeah. like your goal was to try and save as many as you can but sometimes you had to sacrifice a couple in order to, to be able to learn yeah. how to save the rest of them. Like, yeah. you know, this is this is just how life works. Sometimes some people some people aren't meant to last long. You know, So what I'm hearing from you is capitalism is great on paper, but in practice, it just never works <laughs> out the way that people think that it's going to work out. Well, yeah, but that's the problem with a lot of things like <laughs> democracy is great on paper doesn't seem to work out the way you thought it was you know well i'll tell you something that's better than uh, mm-hmm. in real life than it is on paper that's the baltimore corner yes where you get straight dope absolutely so it's been a while since we've taken a trip down to the baltimore corner uh it might have been Catherine Pugh that actually brought us back to baltimore corner uh and funny because yet another <laughs> i think it, it it has to have been since then uh, might- I think it was the most recent story about her, not like oh, the okay. conviction and stuff, but yeah, we did yeah, one yeah. a few weeks ago about uh, something dumb that she did. Oh, it might have uh, been Gary Brown. No, mm-hmm. I can't remember. Nonetheless, it is uh, once again uh, a stupid, uh, not a conspiracy. Uh, I'll sum this up. Yeah. Uh, Marilyn Mosby and her husband, Nick Mosby. Wait, wait, who is that? Uh, Marilyn Mosby is the uh, state's attorney for the Baltimore City. Wait, wait, usually uh, state's attorney can win cases, though. I don't think she's famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, she's well known for uh, uh, taking on the the Baltimore Six, as they were called, the Freddie Gray officers, uh, and then losing all the cases. No, she got a mistrial in one of them. She didn't lose that as, one. It's as good as a law, seeing <laughs> as she dropped the charges after the fact. Um, her husband, Nick, was a or is a council member. Mm-hmm. Uh, from up north, I think it's near uh, uh, Drew Hill. I think is his. It's where they district. live. Yeah, it's the uh, the nice part of Baltimore with a little mm, bit of the rough part. Yeah, <laughs> nicious. Nice, nice, nice. Um, also a mayor candidate who dropped out early. He he uh, ran for mayor against Pew and Dixon and all them mm-hmm. the last time. Uh, didn't do well. Uh, went back uh for his district instead, and then uh now he is the city council president. Yes. Um, After the election of the city council president and sort of seen as like the power couple couple of Baltimore, because you have the head of the 
uh, legislative mm-hmm. branch of the Baltimore city government and the top prosecutor, the head of the judicial. In the, yeah. in the same, in the same household. Um, there were some problems that came out in October of last year about, uh, oh, no. taxes. Oh, they hadn't paid all their taxes. Wow. Uh, that had 40, to be just an oversight. $45,000 worth of taxes. A uh, little tiny oversight. <laughs> Um, but they paid it yeah, and didn't really talk about it and said, you know, like, oh, this is just blown out of proportion. No big deal. We're handling it. And then, uh, the Baltimore media, as they tend to do from time to time, were just like, good enough for me. I don't see anything wrong here. (laughs) Thanks, Baltimore son. (laughs) Um, fast forward to, uh, from October to now in March, uh, Nick Mosby, uh, has had a business partner of his summoned for a, a grand jury subpoena. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick is under investigation as well as maybe Marilyn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they both just bought two properties in Florida, each worth about half a million dollars for which they're planning on using as rental properties. Yes. Uh, Although- which, is, which is weird to me because when they were talking about in October, like their uh, their tax issue... They were saying like, well, I, you know, it's it's hard because we needed some money for family emergencies and we're not really in a great place in which to pay, you know, but we'll figure out a way to pay our tax burden and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, so they were crying poor in October yeah. and between then and now have bought a million dollars worth of property in Florida, uh, which is not in Maryland. I well, checked. They saved a little <laughs> bit of money on the mortgage by saying that both properties, when they bought them in succession, were for a second home. Yeah. They bought a second right, home. Right, right. And then listed it for rent and bought another second home, which is also going to be listed for renting. So something tells me, uh, and this is the type of Baltimore scandal I love, where something seems wrong. Uh, we have several weeks of something seems wrong. Yeah. But we don't really know what what has happened. And then all of a sudden, maybe it's a Baltimore Sun article, like, you know, the Healthy Holly thing yeah. really broke with the Baltimore Sun article. Uh, maybe it's a Baltimore Sun article. Maybe it's just charges being dropped one day. But something tells me we're about a week or so away from a blockbuster charges coming from the the crowned the fall uh, of the House of Mosby. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just uh, I don't understand how if you are a Baltimore politician, uh, you think that now is the right time to do fucking you know like the 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 scourge activities the ones that yeah. are on the outer rims of of the gray areas and decency yeah Maybe i mean we like, stay out of the gray area for a bit i just and where are they getting the money that's the other i, I would love nothing the, the the people who always endeared me the most in the baltimore city council were people who were not poor, but middle class, lower lower middle class, who ran for the office and then were really proud to be a member of the office and then never made money off of their, yeah, <laughs> their position and died poor. And then everyone really would appreciate them at the end because you'd look at like how they would vote on certain things and you're just like, oh, they just did it because they really love the city. Like they just, it, it was not, it was not about money or it was not about like, influence or power or maybe one day I can be governor or anything like that it was just a lot of people who really Schaefer loved the city yeah Schaefer Schaefer could have I know Schaefer has his problems too yeah but I'm saying like Schaefer could have if he wanted to have been way more (laughs) egregious with uh the things that he did sure 
Uh, but I think of uh, uh, they didn't only love the city, they love their neighbor. I think of a councilwoman from the east side, I think. And I only remember because every council meeting she showed up in church clothes. It was like she was showing up for the most important day of the month. Every Sunday is important. That's God's day. And every other Thursday is important because that's city council, council day. day yeah. yeah. And people in her district loved her. And I feel like the news didn't love her. But that was because she voted on behalf of the people of her district without fail. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, this helps out the city, but it doesn't help out the east side. So how are you going to help out the east side with this? Yeah. Or what are we going to do for the east side? And I'll vote for this if you vote for that. Like, she was really looking out for her district and had no desire to run for mayor, had no desire to run for governor. And I think literally just reached the point where it was like... uh no interest or I'm not getting anything done. And what am I coming here for? If I'm only here for a pointless reason, basically like to be a figurehead and then gave up the seat uh, and not really give up the seat. Just don't run for reelection or find somebody younger uh, who res- who they think respects the spot. But I just remember that that one councilwoman because it's like, that is what I want from local government. The person who's passionate about where I'm from, my neighborhood, everything, mm-hmm. and just leaves it all on the table. And instead what we get is the Mosby, the house of Mosby's, uh, where again, I, I think I have the same question. Where do you get a million dollars? And they did have a mortgage. That's part of the controversy is getting a second home, uh, mortgage, which saves you money, but then renting out the property. I'm wondering if this is not the first time they've done this. And in fact, that tax problem was in fact this because part of that mortgage deduction involves a tax deduction. Yeah. So did you buy another property that you claimed was a second home, which wasn't a second home and then get the tax deduction. And then somebody found out you had to pay the taxes on it. Well, there's questions too about the, uh, you know, Nick had a, uh, a, uh, consulting group that he started up and you know there there's another uh travel group that maryland started up and yeah it's just like a lot of weird side hustles that seem to be happening here and or I, laundries or, uh, yeah <laughs> i mean that that's very possible as could well. be that too by the way nick mosby uh when he ran for uh mayor uh and again democratic primary because this is that's the mayor's right. race yeah yeah uh Got a uh, 1.5% of the vote. I thought it was more than that. Mm. Do you, do you want to guess how many people finished ahead of Nick Mosby in the Democratic primary? Seven. Five. Okay. But DeRay right above him. Yep. Carl Stokes, David Warnock, Elizabeth Embry, uh, former felon Sheila Dixon, and current felon Catherine Pugh. So, so my guess came out a of... A proud lineage of... <laughs> I was remembering that I thought that we interviewed four of the top people in that yeah. election. Uh, we uh, we interviewed DeRay on the show directly. Yeah. Uh, we went out and talked to Carl Stokes and um, David Warnock and David Warnock and Elizabeth Embry didn't give us a, a statement or she replied to an email or something, but we didn't actually get to interview her. Yeah. And then Sheila Dixon, who didn't win, but was a convicted felon. And then Catherine Pugh, who yeah. did win and became a convicted felon. Well, I, I went back and forth with Gary Brown, the the guy who was uh, right just here. recently indicted. Yes. Finishing up the whole pew. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was a, he was a weird guy. I, I, it was weird emailing back and forth with him because like I just get like one word or like one sentence emails back like, what's in it for her? And I'm just like, an interview? <laughs> like, you get to speak to people who live in the city. An opportunity to talk to potential voters? I don't know what it is. <laughs> 
<laughs> what do you See, want me to say to this? And there's a reason Corey. Maybe I should have responded with I don't know. Maybe a couple copies of the Healthy Holly book might uh, might grease the grease the skids here a bit. Uh, this is why Corey's in charge because I would absolutely <laughs> have said something like, "Well, I got some Target gift cards. What do you, do you think of me as Target gift cards?" Um, and uh, trying to get wet and wild this weekend. What's up? That would have been the end of the conversation, Gary <laughs> <laughs> Brown. Uh, although I think I was relatively professional yeah. in the the Warnock and Stokes yeah. discussions. I feel like I did very well. The politician came out instead of the revolutionary. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I did send you there with questions That's written. Free I was questions. reading your questions off a list. So. Like you got two minutes. You got to read these questions. Oh, <laughs> uh, on the street. I was on the street reporting at that point. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Man, that was crazy. Anyway, uh, five years ago, yeah. which is where we are now. We are old enough that we, and we've been doing this long enough that we're like, you remember when? You remember back when we did this thing? Ah, it's yeah. been far enough away that possibly two people who ran for <laughs> mayor in that in that election will have been indicted by the time oh, the five-year reunion runs up. Let's hope we're still doing this long enough that that entire list gets indicted before we're done with it. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's some good people there. I don't think Elizabeth War- uh, Embry or <laughs> David Warnock deserve that sort of shit. Uh, <laughs> hey, Carl Stokes is still on the council, right? I feel like he's yeah. he's still on the council. Yeah, so I like Carl Stokes. There. Yeah, we got a chance there, though. Maybe. I think he knows. I think he knows that uh, his place is in the council and not in the mayor's office, though. So, and hopefully, he got to look at Catherine Pugh and was just like, "Cancel the book. We're not doing this." <laughs> no, no good. Yeah, I don't care how many University <laughs> of Maryland said they're going to buy. Uh, uh, well, if you are looking for a way to. Uh, Funnel money into our cause. You know where you can go to do that? Oh, where's that? Oh, the anthem.com. Gordo, the anthem.com, the anthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line 443 219 7595. What's the number again? 443 219 7595. And by funnel money into our cause, I mean buy t shirts from the merch store. That's oh, okay. All right, all right. I mean, listen, you know, if you want to if you want to be a, a number one fan of the show, it only takes five or ten t shirts purchased. And I'm uh, 100% willing to set up some sort of cash app situation where people just send money directly. Uh, we can set up an LLC where we you know, funnel money. Uh, uh, we'll talk off air. It's fine. Yeah. Corey's Fun Travel LLC. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me read the indictment first. got to figure out how to figure, do that. Figure out what, what's putting us in the legal gray area. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at LegendsB5 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, you know how Robin been talking about a video for a couple weeks and then finally did it. Same thing's going to be happening here. <laughs> been talking about it a little bit. It's going to happen. Uh, you just, have been talking about it for a couple weeks. Oh, now. I know, but I, I'm saying stay tuned because it'll happen. I'm, I'm, I'm putting, putting the gears in place. So, mm. I, I mean, heading into award season, of course, we have that four-year consideration drop coming as well. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, clearly, yeah. You know, at some point. <laughs> Once uh once all my talent is vaccinated, we'll get this uh Oh, I mean I can understand. They're not vaccinated, so it's like we never see them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We play by the rules around here. Well, no, I mean I understand. They're not vaccinated, we never see them, they're on different napping schedules, it's a whole thing. Uh artist hours, teachers hours. Hey, I get it, I get it. Uh well, uh, you can find more of me at Robert and Cheek on all social media, uh, especially on Instagram, where you can find the vaccine video, the infamous vaccine video in its edited form across multiple uh, uh, parts on my IGTV. You can, of course, also go to Robert and Cheek.com where you can find more about uh, 
everything that I'm working on, including uh, the books, which are available on Amazon. Byron's books. A uh, full version of that vaccine video is available on YouTube. I did a follow-up to the Sutera pillow review. I'm going to do another follow-up because I feel like there is uh, more to say uh, based on the questions people uh, ask me in the comments. Uh, I also have uh, reviews of SandCloud, uh, update on Mouth Armor, uh, and a couple of other things that... Uh, oh, I did a Kizik review, which I think mm -hmm. is live now. So Kizik review is up, and then an update is going to come up uh, on that. Actually, we're coming up on a month, so it'll be very soon. A lot of stuff coming. A lot of stuff already shot, just waiting for like release schedule. So stay tuned, uh, youtube.com uh, forward slash nonsense because i don't have an actual <laughs> name well i think we've done good here today <laughs> we've done something wait really because you remember when i said burning the, the yeah, 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 yeah. sickle on the front lawns and uh i have adhd i forget things quickly that was awful <laughs> how dare you what were we talking about we, i think we did something good here today <laughs> we've done something i don't know if it's good but as always you're listening to the o the anthem podcast you're home <laughs> <laughs> Part of the Oh the Anthem Digital <laughs> Network. Uh, for don't, Corey, don't this is Rob. Like <laughs> and of course, we are joined by producer Roberto. Thank you once again, producer Roberto. Uh, on his um, uh, vacation uh, here in LA from Mexico, he'll be returning back to his homeland <laughs> soon, and we will be without him again for several months. So uh, we're taking advantage while we can. And of course, to producer Brooks, who, uh, who has been sleeping the whole time. Sleeping like on a the good job. Boy. Uh, and you can find uh, Roberto at RTOAZN.AZN. R-T-O-A-Z-N on social media. One day you'll get it right. <laughs> One day I'm going to get it. And you can find Brooks at Brooks Baker. Yeah. At Brooks Baker. Oh, Brooks the Shih Tzu, yeah. At Brooks the Shih Tzu on Instagram if you'd like some really cute videos that are interspersed by months. <laughs> uh, that's there, too. Uh, so That's both uh, Brooks and, and Roberto. Also, <laughs> actually, that applies to all of our producers. But uh, uh, on behalf of Corey and me and producer Roberto and producer Brooks, uh, Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. <laughs> See you later. Take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs> please don't be racist for the rest of the week, too, please. <laughs> Hammers and sickles burning on the front lawn. No, stop it. <laughs>